What structure do I have over employees that leave that have this insight because they are imminently working at those organizations, at our customers. You, you know, how, how do I control that situation? And that for me is, is where I wrestle with, with you, you know, how do you enforce a restraint? Welcome to The Pinch, where we share real stories of businesses navigating the ever-changing legal environment and learn how you can leverage the law to avoid landing up in a legal pinch of your own. Because when it comes to the law and business, you don't know you're in a pinch until it's too late. Welcome back to The Pinch. Today's episode is 50 Shades of Restraint, being hosted by Lucy and I of Concilium. And we're going to chat to you about why restraints actually matter. I'm sure there's a lot of business owners and perhaps employees that are listening to this that have had experience with restraints. Um, and it's quite a pertinent topic and affects, it could affect everyone at some point. So it's a very misunderstood concept and I think we're going to try and shed some light on it also by hosting a special guest that we have with us, Vainant Ruiz, who is of the CIM team. Hi, Vainant. Thanks, guys. Hey, Vainant. Hi. To kick off, we, we want to chat to you. you. We know that you've had experience sort of on both sides of the coin, having been the employer and the employee. Um, so you can see why restraints are important as the employer. And I think when you're the employee, you kind of feel like it's an unfair imposition. I don't know if that was uh, how you felt, but you can tell us a bit more about how you felt. I, I think as an employee, I was actually quite immature in my approach when I signed the restraint the first time. Um, I didn't really consciously think of the implications of what that restraint really meant if I left. So as a new employee, obviously it's, it's rosy times, mm. it's a new, you, you know, sort of new engagement. You're excited about meeting and, mm. and, and um, working for this new employer. And if you don't gather legal advice as to what the implications mean of signing a restraint, mm. it definitely has a tendency to bite you in the ass later, as I yeah. found out um, and, and met you guys previously on that specific topic. There's also a lot of mumbo-jumbo um, to understand in the contracts because the restraint clauses that sort of float around because they, they don't get reinvented every single time they go into a contract really are very legalese and very heavy. And it's not easy for a person to understand. if I mean, it's drafted by lawyers for lawyers, so it's not easy for people to understand what they're getting into. And you're looking mainly at what you're going to get paid and how much leave you're going to, you're going to take from your new, you, new employer. You also, you, you go and consult with your mates, which aren't you, you know, legally savvy yeah. for that matter. And guys tell you, well, restraints don't really hold up in court or restraints sure. don't really matter. So you sort of look at it and, and you sort of figure, well, you, you know, I, I get that it's serious, but how serious can it really be? Yeah, what's until, the worst that can happen? Yeah, un, until it, it gets serious, and that's where the problem lies. Yeah, yeah. and I think from an, the perspective of an employee, it's an uneven relationship. So you feel that you almost don't have the right to negotiate certain things because you want the job and you don't want the employer to be put off because you're now trying to negotiate your contract. And I think that's a that's a really big misconception. And as Natalie mentioned, these clauses aren't reinvented, and we've seen the same type of clause put in employment contract after employment contract. And it's based on the kind of restraint law that is no longer really enforceable or applicable. And generally what we're seeing is the restraint clauses say you can't work for any competitor whatsoever for a year or two years 
in the whole of South Africa, which, if we look at it, actually breaches your constitutional right to be gainfully employed. But you've signed it, and, I mean, the courts, as we know, are very very partial to saying, you know, keeping the sanctity of a contract alive and saying, you know what, if you agree to it, then mm. that's what you agreed to. Um, we have seen a lot of restraints overturned because of that large geographical kind of tie-in as well as basically preventing you from being employed because if you are skilled in a particular thing and you cannot work anywhere else doing that thing, what are you going to do for a year? Sit at home or do something else? Yeah. Um, so there's much cleverer ways to, to have restraints. I think restraints are very important for the employer and they're also good for the employee because, um, you know, you can get yourself into hot water if you don't understand that taking confidential information that you've had at one employer and using it elsewhere not only breaches your old employer's rights, it yeah. also breaches their customers' and clients' rights and the, the consequences can be very far-reaching. Yeah. For you, Vain, uh, here we have the voice of reason. Vain, and you're not familiar with him, but he rears his Chimes in. pesky head every now and then. <laughs> 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 He's got a mouthful of teeth today. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. No gratuitous <laughs> ringing of the bell here, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, are restraints like a piece of legislation that was included like 50 years ago when someone thought it was a good idea? And in effect, the law's kind of moved on now. And so restraints are kind of like, well, they're nice to have, but almost worthless because they're not enforceable from a... <laughs> employer-employee relationship perspective? Well, that's par partially true. So the law has moved on and the world of business has moved on and so the restraint clauses need to move on. And we have seen that um, operating in, in the courts where they've overturned certain restraints and, and kept certain restraints in place. Um, the real test is what is the real or imminent or actual threat to the employer if the employee takes a particular job? Um, but what we are finding is that Quite often for the employee, it can be a very embarrassing situation because if the employer has a restraint with that employee and the employee kind of ignores it, thinking it's not enforceable, goes to work for a competitor, you often find that the employer wants to write a letter to the new employer to say, are you aware that this new employee of yours has breached an agreement that they had with us, thereby giving you kind of a negative slant at your new place of employment, and we intend to take it further and we will hold both of you responsible because you're now knowingly employing somebody that's in breach of an agreement with us. And that can be a huge deterrent for a, a new employer. Some new employers will say, fine, we'll buy you the employee out of the restraint. But I think starting off as an employer, at the end of the day, you don't want to have to enforce a restraint. It's there to protect your confidential information and your IP and your business know-how. So get the correct restraint drafted. Make sure that it doesn't prevent the employee from ever working anywhere else. If they want to work at a competitor, well, then they should be it able to. It needs to be reasonable. Mm. It needs to be a reasonable restraint that will protect your business. Yeah, I, I must be honest. As an employer now, it is important for me to protect two things. The first mm. one is my intellectual property mm. um, be, because you, you spend a lot of time, effort and money in actually creating that intellectual property um, and you don't want that information leaked 
to your competitors, for, for example, inevitably, you, you know, that IP resides with people and people are going to apply your models in a certain way at the competitors when they leave. So it's, it's up to you as the employer to actually make sure that you can retain your people in the best way. And if they are important to you, you, you know, work towards retention as opposed to retention via uh, restraint. restraint, for example. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want to protect my customers. So obviously we sign legal agreements and non-disclosure agreements with our customers. And if an employee is no longer bound by that NDA because they leave your business and the, the NDA is signed with the business, obviously I don't want my customer's information disclosed you, you know, when they leave to a competitor. That for me is a more critical issue because, you know, in essence, I've still got that legal agreement. There, there's a, there, there's a, a restraint that lies there. So what control, and, and control is a bad word, what, what structure do I have over employees that leave that have this insight because they are imminently working at those organizations, at our customers. You, you know, how, how do I control that situation? And that for me is, is where I wrestle with, with you, you know, how do you enforce a restraint? Yeah, so I think a good way um, to to have a, a to draft a restraint or or to negotiate a restraint is to make sure that the specific clients that you have are named, and as well as we have a, a, a definition around prospective or past clients. So it kind of encompasses everybody that you've worked with, wish to work with, planning to work with, whatever, and prevents the employee from approaching those clients or causing those clients to not do business with you through undercutting their pricing or whatever it is. Also to ensure that the employees don't solicit any of your current staff to go with them. Because at the end of the day, IP, what they learn working with you is what they've learned. It becomes part of their IP, as you mentioned. They yeah. leave with that. They're yeah. never going to lose that. And short of doing a frontal lobotomy as they leave, <laughs> you can't prevent that. That's so right. a cleverer way to make sure that you're protected is to specifically set out that they are absolutely not allowed to approach, cause your clients to not do business with you, not take any staff that you currently have, that they go away with what's in their head without breaching any confidentiality, and, and they, they take up gainful empl employment elsewhere. And I think if it's a reasonable clause like that, the employee would also have respect for yeah. the, the limitations that you've put down and, and respect that. And if they're kind of taught at the point that they're signing it that the, the detriment that they could suffer personally if they breach confidentiality is, is catastrophic for them as well as it is for you. Yeah. And so that by sticking to it, they're protecting themselves as well as you. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I think what you said earlier, Vainant, about having an immature outlook on it mm -hmm. when you entered into a contract as an employee is what most people w would have. But now that you can see it from an employer's side, there, there is definitely merit in it. And if you could educate your, your potential or um, soon-to-be employees around why this is important and what is the reason for it and why you're protecting a business, not to say that every employee is going to buy into the management structure of the business and understand exactly what the owner is trying to achieve, but to understand what it is about. And then I think you, you, they can really never try and defend it in any way by saying, well, they didn't understand it, it shouldn't have any bearing. Oh, it um, wasn't fair. Yeah, and it wasn't fair. What, what I quite like about the conversation this morning and, and one thing that, um, that I'd like to take away from this is obviously if you keep that restraint 
you, you know, sort of consistent with the times. It's not just a clause mm-hmm. that's in a contract that's sort of been living and copied from one employee contract from to the next to the next. Yeah. It's actually updated. It's, it's, it's you, you know, it looks at protecting both the employee and the employer. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I think it's a much easier, um, you, you know, component to consume as a new employee when Absolutely. I join the company because it's it's not mm. just you, you know a bunch of Latin that, mm. that mm. no one really understands. Which really shouldn't yeah. ever it, be in a contract. Yeah. yeah. So so for me that's quite important. I think if, if you maintain it and you keep it up to date and and you, pr- you you protect the company and the employee with what is necessary, not a list of unreasonable customers exactly. that no exactly. one can ever touch again or you, you know geographic location that no one can work in again, th- those things are so f- you, you know so widely spanned or so out of out of context that you, you know, it's so it's, restrictive unnecessarily. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. for me, that's quite important. And and I think that one of uh, talking about moving with the times, one of the prongs on which a restraint is based is the territory, and the territory needs to be reasonable. So it will sometimes you will see things that say in the province of Gauteng, or perhaps it will say within 10 kilometers, and then sometimes it says the whole of the republic, which is inherently unreasonable. However, with people working remotely, and we are, we are all working on computers, you can work from anywhere, how does that apply? So there's definitely going to be some progression in the law in that area if, if there hasn't already been. But um, when you exited with having a restraint hanging over your head. Um, in practice, what did you find was the best way to deal with it? Because obviously you don't want to be rushing to the court and you don't want to be taken to court and you want to deal with things as far as you can in, in an amicable way and not burn any bridges. So for you, how did you handle it? It, it was actually pretty caveman-like, to be very honest. So, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. we, we printed you out... you drag them into the cave? We, we, yeah. we literally printed out a list of the customers that I weren't allowed to touch yes. and pasted it up on a wall. And um, un- unfortunately, you can't believe how many of those customers actually approached us once the business began because there was a trusted relationship mm. that was established with them. Um, and then obviously you have to manage the expectations. So the question that I have to ask myself is do I proactively manage those expectations when I leave the business to say, look, unfortunately I've got this constraint or this restraint um, you, you know, and, I, and I can't engage with you guys for, for a period, period. of time. Mm. Um, so, so for us, we literally had to do that because many of the those customers contacted us, um, and then we had to show an official or a formal way mm. of, of responding to those customers mm. so that if anything happened in the future, we were actually covered in, in that process. I mean, we, we've had customers to, that, that said, look, we'll give you a letter to state that we, we no longer want to do business with this company mm. that, that you, you know, enforced the restraint. Can't you use that from a legal mm. perspective? Obviously, from our perspective, we, we didn't want to take any chances. Mm-hmm. So we lost business as a result of that. But was it worth the risk? I, not in my opinion. So, so that's really how we dealt with it. Mm. Um, so yeah. I think that's a good way. And I think we, we helped you with that because we, we had a very balanced approach to, to the exit and dealing with the restraint with, with not... Um, was steering as far away from litigation as we could and really um, ameliorating the position and agreeing to something that was reasonable for both parties, which is obviously the first prize in any negotiation or dispute. Great, guys. That was super interesting. I hope it was interesting for our listeners. And we will hope, well, we hope not to see you again soon because you won't have any legal problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we hope to chat to you on a future podcast. 100%. Thanks, guys. Thanks. 
So if you're in a legal pinch of your own and would like some practical and professional legal advice, check us out at conciliumlegal.co.za or drop us a line at info at conciliumlegal.co.za.